Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. This is show number 44 for April 23rd, 2006. It's another uh, wonderful Sunday morning, and we're going to be talking about Farscape this week and a few other things, so stay tuned. Here we go. Again, everybody, this is Rico, and this is Trex and Sci-Fi, of course, your weekly or, or bi-weekly, two times a week lately, show about Star Trek and science fiction in general and the entertainment world. The big news, of course, for this week, I'll just get right into things. The big news is Friday, uh, just a couple of days ago, well, they announced uh, another Star Trek movie, which uh, which is kind of ironic a little bit because... Uh, I had set up on, on the forums at the treksf.com website a Skype discussion with a few members there that we just did yesterday and recorded about the future of Star Trek. And lo and behold, uh, this past Friday, they announced the next Star Trek movie, which would be the Star Trek, I guess, 11, although they kind of stopped numbering them quite a while ago. But it'll be the 11th Star Trek film. This was uh, announced Friday, like I said, and it's basically in the hands of a guy named J.J. Abrams. For those that don't know, J.J. Abrams is the mastermind behind the TV show Lost. He's worked on Alias, and he the biggest thing he has coming out soon is he was the one that directed and, and worked on the next Mission Impossible movie with Tom Cruise, which is coming out about in two weeks now. Uh, it'll be a week from this coming Friday, May the 5th, I think, is when it's coming out. Now, I've um, I've been a big uh, fan of J.J. Uh, Abrams' work for quite a while. I think he's done some really good stuff uh, on Alias. I've enjoyed that over the years. And Lost is, is another interesting and good show. So I think this guy really knows how to make some entertaining, um, entertaining entertainment, I guess is the way to put it. And he really hasn't worked that I know of in the in the truly science fiction area or field. Lost has got a little fantasy, maybe sort of weird sci-fi elements to it occasionally. But this would be his first real um, venture, I think, into this area. But I, I think he definitely has the talent, and I think he could put together a good movie. Now, the the, the announcement also, along with him working on this film is the fact that this film, the the plot line or the story premise in that is it's going to be set, it's going to be like a prequel set in the early days of Kirk and Spock at Starfleet Academy, which this idea has been tossed around for quite a long time. Um, a gentleman named Harv Bennett that worked on several of the more successful Star Trek films, he worked on Star Trek 2, 3, 4, he, uh, he had this idea... I don't know if it really was originally his idea or where it came from, but 
he had tried for quite a long time to sort of revitalize, re re-energize the the movie franchise and go with some younger actors in the Kirk and Spock roles at Starfleet Academy. You know, it, it kind of commonly gets referred to as uh, you know Star Trek nine hundred two one zero. But um, so this idea has been around for a long time. I think it's kind of interesting that not only did they announce that this is going to be a a project for J.J. Abrams, but that it's going to be a uh, set in this in this um, plot line and timeline. You know, the early days of Kirk and Spock at Starfleet Academy. Now, when I first heard about this, I'd, I'd always really kind of been under the impression, due to the the episodes of the Menagerie and the first Star Trek pilot, The Cage, with Spock aboard the Enterprise. You know, about 11, 10, 11 years before Kirk took over the ship. Uh, with Captain Pike, you know, Spock was there. I, it always appeared to be in the time frames that Spock was a little older than Kirk, so they never really would have had a chance to overlap uh, being at Starfleet at the same time. But if you go to StarTrek.com, and I did a little digging, you find that that's not the, necessarily the case. It appears that when these guys uh, are at the Academy, at least Kirk and Spock, that they have little stints that they do uh, and serve aboard different ships. Kirk uh, primarily was aboard a ship called the Republic when he was uh, a young cadet, and then uh, eventually aboard the Farragut uh, with Captain Garavik, uh, which was talked about in the episode Obsessions. So, and then Spock, of course, served most of his time, it appears, uh, when, he, when he was within the Academy and as a cadet and a, a young ensign and lieutenant, I think, aboard the Enterprise with Captain Pike. So, so I think uh, this doesn't really mess with the timeline history so much as I, I had first thought. But even with all that said, I, I, I'm not sure how this will all turn out. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not going to talk that much more about it. I just wanted to, of course, announce it since this is a big Star Trek-type podcast and, and other sci-fi things, and this is a, a pretty big announcement. And But but the reason I'm not going to say a lot more about it is that we had a really great Skype call with uh I had a really great Skype call with four other listeners from the forums that I am going to edit up a little bit. It's about an hour long or so, and I will be releasing that uh, on an upcoming podcast, probably the Wednesday show this coming week. Uh, if not Wednesday, it'll be next weekend show. But I think I'm going to shoot for Wednesday for this for the Skype call where we talk about all about the future of Star Trek, our various reactions to this uh, movie announcement and just our ideas about what that's going to mean for the Star Trek franchise and the future of Star Trek on TV and so on. So it's it's a really good conversation. Like I said, it's a lot of the guys on the forums with myself talking, and I think it'll be interesting uh, to hear what everyone has to say. There are some really good ideas in the call about uh, different different ideas for a future TV series and different uh, ideas for the for the movie and how this movie would turn out after the announcement's been made. So listen for that. Uh, probably, like I said, it'll be coming out this Wednesday. Oh, and uh, one, one last thing about the uh, movie announcement news, at least. The, what I'd heard uh, was that they're shooting for 2008, the fall of 2008, which is only about two, two and a half years from now, which is not really a lot of time to pre-announce a movie. You know, a lot of times they take that much time anyway. So that's uh, what we have to look forward to. I'm going to take a, just a couple of second break here, and I'll come back with some uh, email. It's now time for some email on Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, now uh, now before I get to the uh, couple of emails I wanted to mention, the, the thing I wanted to say, though, before we go on, 
the audio on this show might sound just a little bit different. I'm hoping better. Um, I went over to a Radio Shack and decided to buy just a little windscreen for my microphone. I've been talking about getting one of those pop filters, um, and I'm, I tried a few different, slightly different settings on the, on the mixer today. So if you'd like, send me an email, treksf at gmail.com. And let me know if this sounds a little bit better. I do believe the, the, the puff of air type sounds are, are better. I'm also just a little further away when I'm recording today. So I, I hope that this helps. Uh, I was getting kind of frustrated and uh, tired of editing out all those uh, P noises. They're, they're really hard to edit out anyway. You, you can soften them a little bit, but that's on the, the technical things that I'm sure everyone is just dying to hear about, about uh, when they're listening to this show. So... But with that, um, that kind of leads into this first email. It's it's not so much of an email. Somebody posted a couple of comments on the podcast notes. Uh, you know, the, it's a WordPress uh, file, so you can comment on it if you go to the website and click on podcast. It'll take you to this area, and you can comment on the various podcasts. And I think on the last podcast, I mentioned this P sound, and somebody, a listener named Tiffany, wrote me and. She said she's, um, this is what she said, I just wanted to let you know that when I worked in radio, we made cheap pop screens using pantyhose and wire hangers. And she sent me a link uh, of kind of a little tutorial of how to do this yourself to make a a really nice pop screen. And I just wanted to thank Tiffany on the the podcast for sending that to me. I'm still maybe going to try to do that, Tiffany, sometime, but for right now. I, I just spent a couple of dollars and got this uh, little windscreen thing that stretches over the microphone, and so I thought we'd give this one a go for a show or two and see how this ends up sounding. But I, I appreciate your uh, your comment. And Tiffany is actually also a member on the uh, Replica Prop Forum that I visit, and she uh, she knew me from there. I think I have a signature there linking to the podcast and so on. It's probably how she found it. But thanks a lot for the email, Tiffany. I really appreciate uh, your, your comments, or it's not... It's more of a comment, like I said, on the notes rather than an email. But I, when when you comment on the WordPress uh, setup that I have there, it shoots me an email. So that's why I keep calling it an email anyway. When comments come in, they, they end up as, as an email for myself. So thanks, Tiffany. I appreciate that. Okay, the next uh, email, this is just, uh, I think, the only other one that I wanted to talk about this week. This one comes from uh, Jenny, who's Jen on the forums. She says, hi, Rico. It's me, Jen, from the forums. I really enjoyed the midweek podcast. This would have been just last uh, one a few days ago. She says she was laughing out loud at work. Uh, people are beginning to think I'm really weird. Thanks a lot. And, and she smi- puts a little smiley uh, emoticon uh, on the email. She said she particularly liked my aside regarding Mr. Tom Cruise. Uh, ditto, she says for herself. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, he's he's certainly getting a lot of press right now with with the birth of his baby and uh, the whole Dianetics uh, Scientology thing and the movie, of course, Mission Impossible Three coming out. So we it's uh, it's pretty interesting that that it all happened at the same time for him. Uh, Jenny also writes. Uh, she says I also enjoyed the Jedi drinking song. I downloaded that song last year from iTunes, and you can buy it there. She said. Uh, my friend who is also in, in on the forum, uh, her name is uh, Archangela, has, she has said uh, her friend has a husband who plays in a band, and last I heard they were trying to learn that song so they could play it at their gigs. Just uh, thought I'd send you a quick message to say great show. Keep up the good work, Jen. Thanks a lot for that email, Jenny. I, I, I really like having uh, a chance on the on the Wednesday show to sort of relax a little bit more and 
and just kind of chit chat about whatever pops into my head. Um, it's it's a nice kind of you know release uh, or you know it's just it's just fun to do and and I get to throw anything I want in there. I don't have to stick to one specific area like a uh, one Star Trek episode or a movie that I'm talking about or whatever it happens to be. So it's fun to do and. Like I said, this Wednesday, though, we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to be showing the, or releasing the Skype call, which I think everyone will have a good time listening to. So that's it for the email, and then we're going to get into just a couple of quick, quick, brief, uh, various sci-fi news and and just chit-chat there, and we'll we'll do that next. Rico has the best sci-fi and Star Trek information on the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Okay, just uh, going to talk about a few various uh, sci-fi tidbits here. Uh, the first thing, I see that Brendan Fraser, who, who did the Mummy movies, is going to uh, star in a movie called Journey 3D. It's an updating of the Jules Verne Journey to the Center of the Earth uh, film. And it looks appear, appears to be that this is going to be in, in 3D, so we've got that to look forward to. You know, some of those old Jules Verne's things like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea are are really fun to both uh, watch the films and, and the books are still fun. The, the Time Machine, uh, which is well, H.G. Wells, I'm getting Jules Verne and H.G. Wells crossed together. But they were both uh, writers, uh, you know, approximately 100 years ago or so, early science fiction writers. So got that to look forward to. The other thing I was going to mention uh, that I'm seeing on Sci-Fi Wire today... Looks like, and this is, I guess, a little bit in a way fantasy to some degree. This is about the Da Vinci Code. Uh, really, really big, of course, huge popular book. Uh, Dan Brown uh, wrote that he actually he just won his court case that these guys who took him to court about trying to say that he stole some of their ideas. Well, Dan Brown basically uh, won that case, and which I was glad to hear about. I really liked the book. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but it looks like he's writing a sequel with the, the same character, Robert Langdon, but it's going to be delayed. There was, I guess, a talk that it was going to be out by the end of this year, but now it's going to be in 2007. So, you know, that's uh, that's fine by me. I mean, I don't mind waiting for these. The Harry Potter books seem to be a long time in between them, at least a couple of years. And it's nice to have something to look forward to like that, and I'd rather it come out and, and they do a good job with it and spend some time rather than rushing another book out and not being very good. So, And the last uh, comment on the sci-fi area that I was just going to say and I've talked about a couple times before is Doctor Who. I've been keeping up again on the, the current episodes showing on the Sci-Fi Channel and still uh, really enjoying it. Uh, my son's watching also with me, and he seems to like it as well. The um, the other thing I was going to say about Doctor Who is they have started showing the the next year or the next seasons in the UK and Canada, which there are ways to find those online. I've heard, so if you're interested in not waiting until the Sci-Fi Channel gets them, that's one one way you can do it. But what I wanted to do on Doc on the Doctor Who front, besides uh, just saying I'm enjoying and still watching, is I've got a listener comment from uh, our friend Kenny in California and his commentary on the new Doctor Who that's showing right now. So I will play that uh, for you guys right now. Hey, Rico. It's Kenny from California, also known as Star Trek Fanatic 5 on the boards. Just wanted to drop you a line and talk about uh, the new Doctor Who series. Um, You mentioned this in your last uh, mini-podcast, I think it was. And uh, I was fortunate enough to actually get copies of the episodes last year. 
and um, have really, really enjoyed uh, this new season. Um, well, the first season of the new incarnation of Doctor Who. Um, I was never a really big Doctor Who fan. I watched the Tom Baker uh, period of Doctor Who uh, back on PBS uh, here in the States is where they showed it. Um, but once they changed uh, the guys, I quite I didn't quite understand what was going on and I kind of lost interest. Um, but I have a, a friend who's a huge Doctor Who fan and he talked me into watching it and I'm so thankful that he did because this new series is just unbelievable. Um, the Doctor is hilarious, uh, funny, and I like his companion Rose. Um, and, it, and you know, you see an episode and you're like, oh, that was just such an awesome episode. And then next week, you see another episode and you're like, oh my god, that was even better. The series got better and better, in my opinion, as it went. Um, there were some awesome episodes at the beginning, but wait until you get to the end. It's just unbelievable. Uh, if you're not watching it on Sci-Fi, definitely check it out or buy it when it comes out on DVD in July. It's definitely worth it. Can't wait for the second season to hit the States. Thanks. Bye. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks, Kenny. Thanks a lot for that great uh, commentary on Doctor Who. I've, uh, I've also heard the same thing. I've heard that it's, uh, you know, some of the early episodes, they're, they're okay. They, uh, they're, they're not the greatest, maybe. Uh, the Dalek one I thought was really good. But I have also heard the same thing that you said, that as the season goes on, and it's not a really long season. I think there's maybe only 13 episodes or so total. But it's it really uh, picks up and gets really good towards the end. So I'm probably, I think I've seen about five or six of them now. So I'm looking forward to that. Now we're going to shift gears, get into the main topic, which, of course, is the TV series Farscape. And while I gather my thoughts and how I want to talk about this show, I will play, um, let me play just the, the, this would be the theme music song, whatever you want to call it, the the opening theme for season one of Farscape, the TV series that premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel in 1999 and one of my all-time favorites. So listen to this and I'll be back and we'll talk more Farscape. My name is John Crichton, an astronaut. A radiation wave hit, and I got shot through a wormhole. I'm lost in some distant part of the universe on a ship, a living ship, full of strange alien life forms. Help me. Listen, please. Is there anybody out there who can hear me? I'm being hunted by an insane military commander. Doing everything I can. I'm just looking for a way home. Okay, so there you have the uh, first uh, season theme song to Farscape. Now this uh, this show originally, I'm just adjusting my mixer volume a little after I played that clip. This show premiered back on March 1st, uh, 1999. And let me just read the, this is off of TV.com, which is a really good site. Uh, let me read the synopsis of Farscape for those not familiar with it. It says, Five years ago, astronaut John Crichton attempted to use the Earth's atmosphere to propel his ship, Farscape 1, at great speeds across the solar system. He went much further through, oh, excuse me, he went, went much further though and was sucked down a wormhole to a distant part of the galaxy and into the middle of a battle. He was rescued by a group of escaping prisoners and taken aboard their ship, a living ship. 
As the years went by, Crichton has made enemies, powerful and dangerous enemies, on his journey to find a way back home. He freed other captives who became part of the crew on Moya. And I, I think that's a that's a fair synopsis of this show. Let me just give you a little bit a little bit more and a little bit more of my uh, my take on it. Now, I'll have to say, you know, when this premiered back in the early um, part of 1999, March of 1999, I watched the first couple of episodes, and it took a while for me to get into the show. I'll, I'll admit that. However, as the as time went on, it it lasted for four four seasons, and then they did a, a wrap up kind of movie called The Peacekeeper Wars, which was only I guess that was out about a year ago, approximately, or so, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but as after I'd seen maybe a half a dozen shows of Farscape, and especially as the seasons went on, this has become or did become one one of my all time favorite sci fi uh, shows from TV, you know, TV shows, probably right up, you know, Star Trek, of course, will always be number one. You know, I hate to put lists and, and rate things, but Farscape by far is definitely w- one of my favorites. It's just, it's just so darn good. I, I I'm going to try to explain that in, a, in the short period of time I have on the podcast and talk about the characters a little bit, but I, I just really, my, my goal for this for this podcast for for those that already know about Farscape and like it you know maybe it'll just be a nice thing to listen to and get you jazzed up and go buy some of the DVDs and rewatch but for those that never really gave it a shot or didn't try all these things all of the episodes are out on DVD now and you can rent them you can buy them but I really really hope you give it a shot and it's definitely a series you want to watch from the beginning you don't want to jump into like season three because this is an ongoing story this is about John Crichton an astronaut from Earth totally out of his element, totally in a different part of the galaxy, meeting up with aliens and things that, that really blow his mind, basically. And it's it's really, really well done. And there's a lot of character development, plot development going on over the years. And, and the no- other neat thing that, that, that has Farscape always had going for it is just they pull things out of left field, right field, and any field all the time. They'll end an episode where, where you know, one of them, like, you know, one of the characters gets sucked out into space, and you go, "Oh, well, that's a bad thing." Um, it, it just things just completely—you uh, would say they'd never do something like that, or they, you know, they'd never do this, and and it's just just almost impossible to describe. But it is really, really well done, very well written, acted. The acting, especially, I just the the actors in this show were were just giving it their all, and it really shows. It was. Produced and done in Australia, which I think is a, is a budgetary thing, but I think it, it some of it gives it a little more of an exotic, otherworld appearance because some of the some of the shows they do on location. But let's kind of step back here for a second and just go through the the cast a bit. The main character, John Crichton, is played by an actor named Ben Browder, who is now on Farscape SG One. Now, John Crichton's character is is a, the typical you know fish out of water situation in story. He's thrown in a situation he doesn't know what, what he's what's going on, what he has to deal with, and it really he he Ben Browder does a great job with that. The other thing that he's really really good at, and they write into the show, is he he always he'll throw in these little cultural references like I bet you can't find him you know McDonald's around here, or he talks about pop culture type stuff. He'll he'll. He'll he'll make a comment, uh, you know, like I'm trying to think of a, you know, some kind of colloquial colloquialism that we would say, and they won't understand the aliens, of course. Oh, the other thing that uh, 
that Farscape did, just like Battlestar Galactica does now, is they, you know, they they threw in some words that they made up, alien words for um, bad words, curse words, and Farscape's word for that was was freld or frell or frelling. We're freld, you know, stop frelling around, um, and and of course, far, or excuse me, Galactica's word for that is frack. So, uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. that The cool thing that they did on Farscape about the language thing was they have these translator microbes that, that John Crichton gets put in him in the early first, well, the very first premiere episode, and they get past the whole language. When he first gets on uh, the ship that he ends up on, Moya, which is a living ship, they shoot these microbes into him, and, and the, the aliens at first sound, he doesn't understand them. They're talking gibberish. But as these microbes uh, work their way through uh, Crichton's system, he is able to understand all the different aliens and languages that he runs into. And it's a slick idea, you know, kind of like the Universal Translator on Star Trek, but it's at least they deal with the fact they don't speak English. You know, it, it, it takes a few minutes, they throw the translator microbes in him, and boom, he can understand them, and it sounds like English now to us. But at least they acknowledge that aliens don't all walk around talking, you know, the king's English, so... I thought what I would um, I thought what I'd play for you now is there's a, on the first DVD I found a a little uh, profile of John Crichton as as uh, discussed by Bren, Ben Browder the actor in the early years early season of Farscape and I'm going to play some of the interview now it's a little bit long maybe three or four minutes worth or something like that but it'll give you some insight into his character and I think it's interesting to hear the actor talk about uh, the character that he plays uh, John Crichton so listen to this. Um, my character's name is John Crichton, and he is a scientist who uh, sets out one day to run an experiment orbiting the Earth and gets sucked down a wormhole and finds himself at the other end of the universe. At the other end of the universe, John is surrounded by a group of aliens. And these aliens are prisoners who themselves are escaping and homeless, and he's homeless. This is madness! John Crichton is a guy stuck in extraordinary circumstances and spends half of his time going, what the hell is that? He spends a lot of time figuring out what's going on around him and then getting knocked down and getting dragged around and then he pops back up and uh, comes up with an idea to save his butt. This particle analyzer is defective. Peacekeeper technology, you use it. Taxi is not infantry. Yeah. The pilot said you press this, this, and this. Well, it's just like a VCR, except easier. The Creature Shop, Jim Henson Creature Shop in London, has created these incredible puppets for the show. They have amazing mechanisms within the face so that they're capable of the huge range of emotion in the face. Um, Rigel, who is a 16-inch tall emperor, of over six billion subjects deposed. When my council hears of this, the Hymerian Navy will scorch this hellhole. <sighs> that should get him thinking. And then Pilot, who is actually part of the ship, who, if he stood up, would probably stand to be about 15 feet tall. He's a massive slug creature who is embedded into the ship, which is a living ship. <laughs> Does that mean that we've stopped sinking? Yes. We're almost completely submerged. They also created prosthetics for uh, 
Anthony Simcoe's character, who's Dargo, who is a Luxon warrior. And Anthony is 6'6", six, six, big voice, and with prosthetics and makeup, stands about seven feet tall. Never lay your hands on me again. The puppet creatures are interesting to play across from. Um, because you can't treat them as puppets. If you treat them as puppets, you stay away from them, you draw a line between you and nothing happens. Take this royal pain out of my sight. If you get in tight with them and you get your hands on them and you talk to them and you, you deal with them, the puppeteers are actors. They're performers in their own right and really quite amazing at what they do. That They react to you and the scene starts to become alive and you stop watching a puppet and watching the actor and you watch the scene between two characters where's the you know what i knew you wouldn't come back just for me what you do with it it's safe and sound did you swallow it swallow it yes yes which means you're gonna have to take me back as i am or disembowel me here don't you tip me fluffy he comes from this place where he grew up, he watched E.T., and he probably has, in his head, he does, he has this idea of what it is to meet an alien. And suddenly you have a modern-day human thrown into the situation where he's in an alien world. And it's nothing like <laughs> what's on TV. Boy, was Spielberg ever wrong. Close encounters my ass. It's nothing like what's in film. He is blown away by it and not sure what to do with it and reacts in ways that hopefully you and I would react, which is basically, oh, hell, where am I? Crichton's a fast thinker, um, but he's not re reaching the right conclusions mo most of the time, probably. He's always off balance. He's almost by default the, the leader of this group of, of alien characters because they all have their strengths, but none of them are quite as well-rounded as, as John is. He's just trying to figure things out. He's making plans. He's shooting from the hip, um, and it goes wrong as often as it goes right, and he's always off balance, and he doesn't ever know exactly what he's doing. Every time he turns the corner, he's got a new problem because he doesn't know anything about the world. He knows nothing at all about it, and he's bringing human values, he's bringing American values, you know, he's the, talk about your American abroad, you know, he, <laughs> he can't even get McDonald's at this end of the universe. And so it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing to be able to play. So that's uh, Ben Browder there talking about his character of John Crichton on Farscape. The other guy that was talking during the, near the end of that interview is Brian Henson, Jim Henson's son, who did all like, uh, Ben talked about, did all the creature work, the puppetry work for some of the characters on Farscape, Pilot, and and the um, small Emperor Rigel, and a couple other characters that you see throughout the series is what uh, the Hensons worked on. And I, I wanted to mention that um, even though a lot of people, or not a lot, but some of the people I've heard from on the show, that I've seen the show always said, oh, that's that puppet sci-fi show, and they kind of dismiss it because of that. But I think that's very uh, narrow-minded, and you really, uh, as Ben Browder says in the interview there, th these characters really come alive. The character of Pilot and Rigel, even though they are, yeah, these puppet-type characters, 
I, I find that they're even more alive than some of the CG kind of characters you've seen in some of the, like, say, for example, Star Wars prequels. I mean, like uh, Ben says, the you get your hands, you can get your hands on these characters, on the on the puppets, so they, they seem more real, more alive in a way to me, and they definitely have their own personalities, their own agendas, and their own likes and dislikes. Rigel, of course, is sort of a humorous character a little bit, but he's also very devious. He's a, He always seemed to me on Farscape, to me, like the the Dr. Smith character was on the old Lost in Space TV show. He's a lot smarter than he looks, and you don't want to underestimate him, but he's also he's always only really out for himself, and that's kind of Rigel in a nutshell. Speaking of Rigel, uh, the, the actor uh, that did the voice for the character of Rigel for Dominaire Rigel the 16th is a guy named Jonathan Hardy, and I saw one of the behind-the-scenes things when he was doing some of the voice work for Rigel, and it's kind of interesting, but he's he's an older gentleman, and they actually made the face of Rigel, the the little puppet character on Farscape, sort of look like Jonathan Hardy in a way. His his similar features. Uh, it's hard to describe unless you saw a picture of him side by side. But it's kind of interesting that they use that uh, they use some of his facial uh, appearance in the character of Rigel. Now I'm going to play a um, with uh, talking about Rigel and, and Crichton a bit. I'm going to play another little audio clip of, this is just a scene, I tried to get some audio just from the first episode primarily for uh, for the doing this podcast, for doing this show this week, because I don't want to spoil a lot for it, especially for those that haven't really seen this series. I'm not going to talk too much about what happens throughout the four years that it was on, but I'm going to play a, a few clips, at least to give you a taste for it. And this, this next one is... Um, Crichton's, uh, when he first gets on the ship on Moya, there are these other escaped prisoners like they've talked about. And Rigel is talking to John Crichton, and John's in a, uh, like a cell, in a prison cell on the ship. Uh, and this is Rigel and Crichton talking. What, um, where, where are my clothes? Hey, why did you take off my clothes? I'm Rigel the 16th, dominant to over 600 billion people. I don't need to talk to you. I thought you were a prisoner. Falsely imprisoned. My cousin Bishan stole my throne from me while I slept. A mistake I will soon be correcting. Your garments were removed so that we could examine you. Examine? Examine me? How? Where? Wait a minute, one of those, those mechanical things of yours injected me right here. Translator microbes. Microbes? They colonize at the base of the brain. Allow us to understand each other. Why you weren't injected at birth, I cannot fathom. Colonize. The brain is... Yeah, so there there you're hearing uh, Rigel and, and Crichton. He's in the cell and... Rigel, uh, of course, explains the what happened to him, why he was a prisoner, and they, they talk about the translator microbes, which I also already mentioned. Uh, and So you get to get a feel for... Uh, I like Rigel's voice. I think it was pretty neat coming out of that small character. He has sort of a regal tone to his voice, and he, he's a he's a dominar. He's a, uh, a head of a planet of billions of, uh, billions of people, or whatever you want to call them. Um, so, of his race, at least, let's say. 
In, in, there are other characters. Uh, Virginia Hay plays a Pao Zoto Zan, who was sort of a priestess and very um, mystical and druidic and very she she was very very peaceful and she didn't like violence. She was sort of a, the scientist slash medical slash uh, spiritual guide sort of on Moya on the living ship of Moya. Moya's character itself was interesting. You know they. Quite a bit. The the neat thing about Farscape, I find, is that it's so different than other sci-fi TV shows. It's nothing like Star Trek. It's nothing like Galactica. The the people, especially all these characters, when they're thrown together to begin with, none of them like each other. They all mistrust each other. They're all just kind of trying to survive. They're all kind of out for themselves. And you know, John Crichton, this astronaut uh, scientist, is thrown right into the midst of this whole thing going on in this war and this whole area of space that's that's really uh in turmoil so i think that's that's a great setting for for a lot of drama and and it shows they they never ran out of new ideas to do i mean every episode really just something different or weird or amazing would happen in it and and the characters really made it made it shine uh another one of the characters is of course uh aaron sun son aaron son um played by Claudia Black, which which is one of the main reasons I really like this show. Claudia Black is just lovely, and she really does a great job. I mean, she goes through all kinds of things throughout the series and, you know, kind of ends up involved with Crichton. I'm not going to give too much away, but that they're the two human characters on the, on the ship of Moya, and so it, that's kind of inevitable, I guess. The, the thing I was going to say, though, in the at first, they mistake John Crichton for a member of Aaron's race, which are the Peacekeepers, which which is sort of this militaristic, uh, human-looking uh, group of people in this part of the galaxy. And the the main problem that John Crichton faces to begin with is when his ship comes in, and this all happens in the first episode, Farscape 1, it crashes into another ship, which is being flown by the brother of uh, a head military guy named Byler Crace, Captain Crace. And John's ship, Farscape, accidentally crashes basically partly into uh, Crace's sh- brother's ship and ends up killing uh, Crace's brother. And throughout uh, a good part of the early part of the series, Crace is chasing Crichton and Moya because he blames Crichton for his brother's death, which it was an accident, basically, is what happens. I mean, Crichton's ship, Farscape 1, gets thrown through this wormhole, and it, when it pops out, it ends up immediately crashing into Crace's brother's uh, small ship, and it damages it enough that it destroys it, and so that's that's what happens, and that's that really is uh, the thrust of a lot of the early seasons of Farscape. So, so those... Uh, I'm going to play now... Uh, Back to Aaron's character, who is a, who is one of the peacekeepers, looks human, uh, ends up being on Moya also, and on the run with the other characters. And I'm going to play a uh, little scene between Crichton and Aaron, and she gets locked up because the this prisoner's on Moya. She's a peacekeeper, which is the enemy, which are the ones that locked up the rest of them, Dargo and and Zan and Rigel and every everyone else on. Moya. So she's she's very they're distru- they distrust Aaron quite a bit along with they don't know what to make of Crichton but they think he's a peacekeeper because he looks like a a peacekeeper. So let me play that audio for you now with Aaron and Crichton in his uh in their cell. 
You? Officer Aaron's son, Special Peacekeeper Commando, Icarian Company, Plyzar Regiment. Identify yourself. My rank is commander. But I'm not military, at least not any military you know. I'm a damn scientist. You should be used to viewing the likes of us through bars. You need to listen to me. I'm not what you think I am. Not a peacekeeper? Yes, we know that now. You have some decidedly unfamiliar bacteria living within you. I'm from a planet called Earth. I'm human. Homo sapien sapien. It's time for us to eat. Yeah, so there you have a little of a little taste of Aaron's character played by Claudia Black, uh, who's an actress from Australia. This was um, her first really big, big serious uh, television role, I believe, and she's on a couple of movies, and now she's on SG One. So that's kind of interesting because, of course, like I said earlier, Ben Browder, uh, who plays John Crichton, is on SG One now, and so is Claudia Black, uh, who plays Vala now on SG One, who's going to be a uh, regular next season on Stargate, and that's that's kind of interesting uh, that they both ended up there. The one thing I wanted to say before I forgot here, Farscape lasted for four seasons. It uh, they also uh, kind of wrapped things up in a in a four hour miniseries called The Peacekeeper Wars, which is also out on DVD. I've still got more to talk about, but I wanted to mention that Sci Fi Channel kind of pulled a fast one here, and it was kind of upsetting to me at least when they did it. They had previously announced that Farscape they had renewed it for like two or three additional years. But then after the end of the fourth year, or near the end of the fourth year, they decided to just completely cancel it. And it, it's uh, it's kind of sad that they did that, uh, especially since they had already previously said it was being renewed for multiple years. And then they just said, no, we, we changed our mind. And, and that really kind of left a hole. You know, when Farscape ended at the end of the four seasons, there was a lot of cliffhangers. There were a lot of things that were still hanging out there and hadn't been resolved. But the Peacekeeper Wars, if you end up watching the series definitely pick up that peacekeeper war dvd set too because they really wrap things up well in it and i think it's definitely definitely a really good job that they did there but that's more uh more of uh the the um, history a little bit let's talk a, a little bit more quickly about the some of the other characters you have uh, anthony simcoe who plays uh cod dargo cod dargo always pretty much just called dargo he's this really tall luxon alien character who's he's the muscle basically he's the tough guy on the show and this guy is is he's really good he's very loyal to to his friends and deadly to his enemies and he's 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 definitely a a great addition to the cast and to the to the show in general i'm going to play uh this will give you a, uh, this is also from the first uh, episode give you a little taste of more of his character this is between john and dargo kind of near the end of the episode and this will give you a good um a good take on what Dargo is all about. So listen to this. We need to talk. Get your hands off me. You have a warrior's instinct. Good. We'll need that. Come. 
I have spent eight degrading cycles aboard this ship, and now I'm finally liberated. Congratulations. I don't know who you are, where you're from, or what you want. But if you threaten my freedom, I'll kill you. I was listening, listening to that clip again. You know, the character of Dargo, Kai Dargo, is... It always reminds me a little bit of War from uh, Next Generation or the Klingons in general. He's a very proud warrior uh, character, warrior race of, uh, well, I don't know if they're all their whole races warriors. It's probably not true. Um, but Dargo itself, he you know, he's the muscle. He's he's very honorable. He's, like I said earlier, he's very loyal to his friends and he's deadly to enemies. And he doesn't, he doesn't really mess around. He lets you know exactly what he thinks. And he just tries to get the job done. There are other characters that that show up uh, throughout the course of the series. Later in in later in the uh, seasons, uh, the character of Scorpius is, a, is ends up being a big enemy of Crichton, uh, played by Wayne Pygram. Pilgrim. I'm not sure how you say his name. P y g r a m. Pygram. I guess is how you'd say that. That's Scorpius. Paul Goddard as Stark, who you see, you see pretty soon. Lanny Tupo as Crace, uh, Chiana, who ends up on the ship also, is another character named, played by Gigi Edgley, a very young character, adds a lot of energy and a lot of fun to the show, and that's probably it for the main group that you see uh, over the years, and they go through all kinds of changes, up, down, sideways, inside and out, um, and, you know, one of the things that they said earlier that I think Brian Henson mentioned when he was talking about Crichton is, you know, he kind of ends up being the leader of the of the crew in the ship, but kind of by default. But it's it's interesting because they they're all kind of have their, have their issues and their problems. But Crichton is kind of the most well rounded. He he can think real quick uh, by the seat of his pants, get out of situations. He's smart. He's 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 usually the one who, that's got a plan and really can get them out of problems a lot of times but i it's difficult very quickly to talk about farscape and, and really tell you what it's all about i mean it it covers so much ground in the four seasons it was on that i i think i i really can't can't really give it a, a fair shake too much on just a, a short little podcast like this but all i can say is if you i, I almost promise if you're a fan of good good drama good science fiction characters interesting characters interesting character development uh amazing stories different kind of sci-fi than you may have seen definitely rent go rent two or three of the of the first season farscape dvds and and i almost guarantee that you will not be disappointed and it really gets going i mean every week i can remember when it was airing i'd go in and talk to friends that i knew that were watching it at work and we'd talk about the show and it's that kind of show you go like hey man what's going to happen next what do you think how do they how are they going to get out of this one and i know a show is good when i find myself talking a lot about it uh when it airs i i find that's true of the show lost these days i'll, I'll talk about that about people with people that i know and did you see it last night and what do you think about that, and what does that mean? Uh, so I know shows are good when you when you end up talking about them to different people, even people that aren't interested. I'd say, hey, I watched this really cool show last night, and it was pretty amazing. And and Farscape is definitely in that kind of category, and I really, really can't say enough good about it. It's just an amazing show, definitely worth seeing, worth seeing by a lot more people than got a chance to. I'm so glad these days you can buy these things on DVD and rent them. 
and get a chance to see things you might might have missed. You know, in the old days, once once a show was gone, it was pretty much gone. Occasionally, some of them would show up in syndication, but these days, the, these shows are getting second chances and third chances. And you know, I'd love to see a big screen movie of Farscape someday. I think that would be great. Um, let me uh, let me play one more, a couple. I got a couple more clips I want to play. The first one I'm going to play here is I'm going to play the. Um, Towards the end of the first uh, episode, John Crichton's just talking. He starts making these recordings that he thinks he might get to his father someday. And this is a little bit of one of those recordings about his situation and in the the universe that he's gotten himself thrust into and what his take on it all is. So listen to this, and this is kind of uh, an interesting little uh, conversation he has. So listen. Listen to this clip. And there's life out here, Dad. Weird, amazing, psychotic life. And death. And technicolor. Hey, Dad, you know those rattlers in the stomach we talked about? Well, I got them now. Yeah, Crichton there is actually talking to what's called a, a little DRD, which are these small little uh, mechanical little tiny robots that run around Moya on the ship to uh, fix and repair systems. And he's actually talking to a DRD that he kind of repaired there. I've uh, actually I've got a kit to build a little one of those replica DRDs uh, sometime, which I haven't gotten a chance to, but I'm going to try to over the, this summer to build that. They're these little, um, they're kind of round in shape, and they've got little two little eye stalks that light up. Uh, and they're, uh, he ends up actually uh, befriending one of them in a later uh, season, and he kind of repaints it and uh, has it play music from the 1812 Overture. And he call, he names the uh, Crichton has he puts all these human things onto things in the alien universe. And the neat thing about that is he's trying to make it. Uh, livable for himself and a little more recognizable and he calls this small drd robot calls him the he calls him 1812 because he has he paints him uh in red white and blue and he has him play the 1812 overture and he puts little references in into the show like that which which is really good and it makes a lot of sense he's trying to live there and he's trying to just not go crazy half the time and so he needs these familiar things to himself. For example, uh, another one of those examples like that is Crichton ends up, uh, they all, of course, have to have weapons to protect themselves, and he has this thing called a pulse pistol, which are like their phasers on in the Farscape universe. But Crichton, of course, being who he is, he renames his, his pistol, his pulse pistol, and he calls his pulse pistol Winona after the singer, um, I think, is, is who he's naming Winona Judd and so he calls his pulse pistol he's always like did anybody see Winona you know hey hey you can't have Winona that's my pistol and it's just cool I mean he he just comes up with these little things like that that he renames everything and starts uh you know he calls Rigel the little dominar he always calls him Spanky or Alfalfa or something like that he's He's putting references in. He talks about the Three Stooges, the Little Rascals, uh, just good stuff. And so that's Farscape. I, I hope I've given you a, a bit of flavor and taste for it. If you're if you're not familiar with the show, 
if you are, I hope you enjoyed this kind of look back on it. it it's it's made me want to pull out my DVDs. I've got all the all of them on DVD, of course, and w- watch some of them again, just because it's just so fun. It, these are these are definitely rewatchable DVDs and rewatchable episodes to me, just like Star Trek. I they're not the kind of show I think that you can watch once and go, eh, it was okay. Uh, I don't care if I ever see that again. These are fun to see again. There's a lot of neat stuff, so check it out, Farscape. And I'm going to uh, kind of end the Farscape portion of the podcast with. I really like the music and the theme music and songs and and stuff that they put into, not really songs, I guess, but in the show, the music. And what I thought I'd end the the talk on Farscape about, and I'm going to come back and talk about a collectible, which is a Farscape collectible, of course. But I'm going to end the the Farscape talk on, I'm going to play the theme um, for the third season. And you'll you'll notice this one's just a little bit different. Things have changed for, for Crichton in a situation so uh listen to this i think it's pretty good and each year it was a little bit different that they did but this is the one from season three the theme for farscape and that'll take me into a short break and i'll be back and talk about collectibles for a few minutes my name is john Crichton. i'm lost an astronaut shot through a wormhole in some distant part of the universe Board this ship of escaped prisoners, my friends. If you can hear me, beware. If I make it back, will they fall? If I open the door, are you ready? Earth is unprepared, helpless, for the nightmares I've seen. Or should I stay, protect my home, not show them that you exist? But then you'll never know the wonders I've seen. Okay, I hope you liked uh, that look at Farscape. Uh, one last thing I forgot to play uh, in, d- in the discussion there, and I was trying to save it for the end, but uh, is uh, I've got another audio comment from Kenny. This is about, of course, Farscape. So I'm going to play this for you, and then I will come back and briefly talk about my uh, Farscape replica. So listen to uh, Kenny's take on the show Farscape. When Farscape was initially on, I did not see it because I didn't have the sci-fi channel. I knew of it because I was a sci-fi, you know, geek, but uh, I actually couldn't watch it. And I had a friend who would tape it for me, um, and I saw like three of the first season episodes, you know, but they were out of order, and uh, eventually he just stopped taping them. So uh, I just never got around to watching it. I remember my friends telling me how wonderful it was and how cool it was, and, you know, it's this awesome series, and I need to see it. Um, and I just never got around to it. I know the DVD started coming out, and um, I wanted to do, watch it, but there was so much other TV, and you know the DVDs were actually very expensive. And it, not knowing the series, I wasn't willing to buy them. Um, up until about, uh, say, about seven months ago, um, I started renting them, and I started with season one, first episode. And about ten minutes ago, I just completed uh, the Peacekeeper War miniseries, and all I have to say is, wow. This was some awesome sci-fi and fantasy television. The characters were well-written. They were well-rounded. You know, they had four seasons and a four-hour miniseries to build these characters. 
I mean, you know, characters died, they switched cast several times, it's just, it's so unbelievable what they accomplished with this TV series. This series is up there with Trek in my book. I mean, I can pop in a disc for Trek and I can watch all four episodes on that disc with no problem. This is the same type of thing. I can pop in a Farscape DVD and I can watch every episode on that DVD no problem at all. Same with Firefly. Just really good sci-fi storytelling. It's hard to come by and this is definitely one of those series. If you have not seen it, you must go out and pick it up or rent it. It's a must-see for any sci-fi fan. Thanks a lot for that uh, great commentary, Kenny. Uh, I'm really uh, glad you sent that in, uh, especially since you just finished up with the Peacekeeper War disc. That's great. Uh, I, I couldn't have said it better. I, I, I agree. This is must-see sci-fi for sci-fi fans. If you haven't seen Farscape, really, truly, go out. I will... Uh, I'll pay back your rental fees. Oh, maybe maybe that's a little too much to say, but uh, I, I I guarantee you, if you like good TV, good sci-fi, you know, you'll like Farscape by by leaps and bounds. There's there's no question. I mean, it's it it is uh, one of the greatest sci-fi shows of all time, I think, and it's it's just so hard to describe without really watching it. it it's very. I think one thing I'll just end on the Farscape talk with, it's it's just, it's a lot more, I always found myself a lot more emotionally wrapped up in what's going on in the show and the characters uh, on Farscape than other sci-fi shows. Like, for example, uh, Stargate or even Galactica, although Galactica gets me wound up too. But, uh, you know, Farscape would be the kind of show that I would just, you know, scream out loud or yell at the TV and, and that kind of thing. And Get, you really get you worked up over what's going on with the characters in the show and that to me is is great television so with that uh that's our farscape talk at least on the tv show front now let's switch gears a little bit i'm just going to talk real real quick about a collectible that i got um the um there aren't a lot of farscape collectibles out there uh, dargo has a like a sword gun kind of combination called a Qualta Blade, which I, I'm trying to find one of those. There are some licensed replicas out there of that made by uh, creation uh, conventions that they put on. They, they made some licensed collectibles of Farscape, that and a, and then the Pulse Pistol, which I have a replica uh, Pulse Pistol, which is a black type, uh, typical sci-fi looking gun. Um, the one I have has an LED that will light up on the side and then on the end when you pull the trigger. Uh, it's pretty slick looking. I will, of course, there will be some photos in the podcast notes about this uh, replica. And in the collection, you, you can find uh, under Farscape uh, this um, pictures of this uh, replica, Pulse Pistol, Crichton's uh, Pulse Pistol. Of course, I already mentioned it was called Winona. But it's, it's black uh, construction. The one I have is made out of uh, plastic or resin. It has uh, a nice uh, feel to it and weight. It, there's not really a lot to describe about this particular replica. It's pretty self-explanatory. It doesn't make any sounds or anything, but it does, like I say, have a few little lights in it. And eventually, one day, I'd like to have a, a nicer replica. They, they had a neat sound effect when they fired these weapons on the show, which would be really cool if it could do that. Uh, so, hey, Master Replicas, if you're listening, make some Farscape replicas. I, I think there's some definitely some fans out there for them. And like I said uh, a, a few minutes ago on the podcast, I do have a, uh, a a kit to make one of those DRDs that was seen on the show. So I'm going to whip that up sometime over the summer. They're kind of yellow in, 
in color. They're about 12 inches in diameter or so. And they crawled around on the on the Moya on the ships and repaired things. So that'll end up being done. And when it is, I'll, uh, I'll probably put that in my collection uh, of photos on the gallery up also. I did also want to mention that on the Farscape end of collectibles and replicas, there are some uh, action figures uh, that a company put out. I think it may have been Art Asylum, but I'm not positive. I don't have them in sitting in front of me right now. But if you look on eBay, ship or look for a Farscape uh, action figure or Farscape figure on eBay, there are basically they made a, a series of. Uh, action figures about all the main cast uh Crichton, Aaron, Chiana, Dargo, Zan, uh all the main characters ended up uh Rigel I believe also as action figures. See those can be found on eBay. They're not making anything anymore. Some of them have some alternate uh costuming uh that they created for different action figures, different looks, but they they were in the usual scale or so, maybe slightly larger. Uh, then they're not quite a small like Star Wars action figure like the three and three quarter inch line. I think these are more about six or seven inches, like the old Mego action figures about that size approximately. And they did a pretty good job with them. The likenesses are pretty good. So look for those if you're into uh, Farscape and collectibles. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. And I think with that, I'm going to have to sign off. We're, we're pushing over an hour here for this show, but I think it was worth it. I really, really enjoyed looking back at Farscape. I'm going to pop a DVD in my player uh, right after this, I think, and watch a couple episodes. Like Kenny said on his comments, it's it's really good stuff. It's something you can sit down and watch a couple episodes easily, and and it's it's really a enjoyable science fiction. And, and definitely, I hope I've encouraged a few people. If you got any comments about Farscape or, or your thoughts, uh, again, the email for the show is treksf at gmail.com. We have a voicemail line at 206-88-TREKS. And that's the easy way to get in contact with me. You can check out the website, treksf.com, or just treksinsci-fi.com. Both of them will get you there. We've got the forums. We've got the podcast notes, uh, which has got some nice detail about what we've talked about and all the different shows. Links to all previous podcasts are there. Uh, there's, of course, the collection gallery and some uh, new things, so check check out the website. Next week's show, I am going to do a uh, Next Generation, Star Trek Next Generation episode. I've got it narrowed down to a few, but I haven't picked one yet. I will announce that, though, sometime this week. Uh, if you go to the podcast notes, there's a little uh, character there that tells you what we're talking about for the next show, and that will get changed sometime midweek and let you know what it, which episode I'll be talking about. So it'll be something next generation. Just got a few possibilities, and I will decide uh, in the next couple of days. Wednesday's show, like I said earlier, is going to be that Skype call about uh, Star Trek and with some of the people on the forum, so look out for that. And until next time, I hope everyone has a great week. Go run some Farscape and get your friends, family, dog, cat, fish, and sit down and watch it because it's great stuff, everyone. And I'm going to say goodbye. So... Talk to you next time. Bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosty production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.